Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. If you have your Bibles this morning, I would like to ask you to turn with me to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 4, we'll be reading from there in just a few moments. At the end of our service this morning, we have a very special child dedication. Really excited to be able to dedicate children to the Lord, but also to dedicate the parents. Amen. Amen. It's good to be in God's house together. This past couple weeks, and in fact, all starting in November, we began to turn our attention towards a passage and a thought, a theme of focus. And our theme had been focus factor, and it become a series for us. And the last Sunday, God helped me to deliver the second part of this passage out of Luke chapter 9. God's going to help me today because I'm trusting him out of Luke chapter 4. And the thought that I want to release to you today and to your house is focus on the favor. In fact, I want everybody to say that out loud. Focus on the favor. I believe every person in this room has some favor. I hope this morning before you leave you have drunk favor aid that you will wet your whistle on some favor because we are a favored people. In Luke chapter 4, this is the story. If you go to the very beginning of the chapter, and we're going to start in 16, but you would find that in this particular passage that Jesus is in a wilderness experience. He has just been baptized in the Jordan River by John, and the Bible says that he is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And it is in that wilderness experience that he is tempted, that the enemy comes to try him, to tempt him. Forty days that he remains there after his declaration of who he is. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and he sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. For just a moment, let us pray. Father, we ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to rest upon your servant, and that our ears may have an anointing to hear the word of the Lord that is already anointed. But God, we ask that you would open our heart, that we might be receptive, change us, deal with us, convict us, comfort us, consecrate us through the word of your spirit. And we'll give you all glory and praise. And everybody say amen. Amen. One more time, say focus on the favor. In this passage that we are reading about today, last Sunday, it correlates to what I shared with you that we are to be in a place of focus. 
And I shared with you last Sunday that there are four seasons or stages that God takes you through in your walk and your journey with him. In fact, I want to share them with you again. He gives us the miracle stage. This is where the five loaves and the fishes are being fed. The people are following him for the miracles that he can perform. Wanting God to do something for them. How many remember when you first gave your life to Jesus and it seemed like every prayer you prayed, God answered. Seemed like you were just walking tall in cotton. Everything was happening good for you. Your smile was better. Everybody looked better. Everybody smelled better. Everything about your life was good. God was pouring in the miracles. You went to your pantry and there was food there. You went to the car and there was gas in the tank. You don't know how God was doing all of that, supplying every need without even asking. But God was providing miracles. It's wonderful to get the miracles. It's wonderful to live in the miracles. But you can't stay in the miracles. God then moves us to a stage called message. And it's in the message where he begins to teach us. You remember when he was feeding them and they were following him. And then the Bible says that he went up to the mountain and there he began to teach. And if you remember, he began to teach what we call the Beatitudes. And there was all these blessings. Blessed are you and blessed are you. And you know the church, we're happy to receive the blessing. We come early for the blessing. We show up for the free chicken wings. We, we love the blessing, anything that's happening. We love the blessing. But then after he began to issue the blessings through his message, his shifting in his message change, and now he's no longer talking about blessed are you. Now he's saying things like this. You must eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, talk to your friends at Starbucks about that, and they would think you are in the cuckoo church if you are telling people to eat your flesh, come on, and drink your blood. Do you go to the vampire church? That's why some people who maybe not understand what the Word of God is saying, you know what I'm saying, but Jesus shifted his attention to move from being just, I'm going to bless you and bless you, brother, and bless you, sister, to now it's time to step it up. It's time you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood or you have no part with me. He was calling them to a place of accountability. He was calling them beyond the fluff of Christianity. He was calling them beyond the fluff of being an SMO Sunday morning only. Preaching there, Pastor. He was calling them to a higher level. Oh, I lost a few people. But I want you to know you can't even stay at the message stage because after God gives you enough word, you are responsible for the word you know. You are responsible for the word that is put in you. He moves then to the moment stage. And in the moment stage is when you begin to have these moments with God that change the, the direction of your life. The moment that God filled your automobile with his presence and you had a Damascus Road experience and you made a fresh commitment to God. The moment you were in the hospital and you said, God, if you will heal my wife, I promise you I will serve you. You had a moment with God. There are many of us that are here today that have had a moment with God. A 
moment where the power of God wrecked us. The power of God moved into our life and did a reworking and a rearranging and shifted this and shifted that until we got our bearings back and we got our mind back and we gave our yes to God again. A moment where God begins to ignite the spirit within you, begin to change everything, where you stand up to be the husband God called you to be. You become the wife God called you to be. You become the preacher that God calls you to be. You begin to do what God has called you to do all because you've had a moment. And it's not even about time because we don't remember time. We remember moments. In the big picture, I'm not going to remember everything that happened in my life, but I will remember the moment. I had a moment with God. It's just a few years ago that I looked into the mirror and saw this white stuff in my beard. I don't know when that happened. I couldn't track it by time. But I remember, Sister Wolf, the moment that I said, uh-oh. There are moments that happen in your life and those moments are necessary. And you'll leave here today and say, oh, we had a moment with God. When they lifted their voice and we began to declare the power of God, we had a moment with God. But you can't even stay in just the moment. Because the goal of the moment is to push you to the mission. And the mission is for you to not just sit on the couch or become a cheese potato. But the mission is for you to be about the Father's business and everything that Jesus did from the phase of miracles to message to moment was to push his disciples into a mission for them to know what the call of God was upon their life. And if you come here for any length of time at Bethel Family Worship Center, you're going to be pushed into a mission. I'm glad you had your moment. I know you love the message and I know that you love to flock after the miracles, but really it's all about the mission. There are people who got up this morning at five and six o'clock, drove to this house and met with us at nine o'clock for prayer and meeting that are serving right now in our media ministry and all of our children's ministries that made a sacrifice to be here, but it wasn't even really a sacrifice because they had already burnt their plowshare and already killed their oxen to remain on mission many of them will never hear this message until later but that's okay they're on mission they have moved past the point of always needing to be hear their favorite song they have moved past the point of having to have a free fish and dinner and a chicken dinner they don't have to have the, the loaves and the fishes they don't serve God anymore for the loaves and fishes they have moved to mission and isn't that where God has called you look down your row and tell your neighbor that's where God called us to mission you can be in a particular season right now and not even realize it you could have passed from one season to the next and you don't even realize it when you're living in it you don't even know what you're looking at That's why we are really have to be careful not to wish away the stages and the seasons of our life because that was what got you to where you are today. So I can't wish away what I went through. I can't waste what I went through because that's what got me to where I am today. It took 
2020. It took 2020 to get some of us to see that showing up early to get a seat at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning is a privilege. It is a privilege because before we didn't realize what it would be when fear tried to take a hold of us and we would live in fear and we'd be fearful. It amazes me and please don't get upset at me but I want you to understand it amazes me the people that still can't come back to church but you see them at Walmart and you see them at the movie theater and you see them at Long John Silver's. In fact, they're the only ones keeping Long John Silver's in business. I don't know. I just, I just say this to somebody uh, that we don't operate in the spirit of fear for God hath not given us the spirit of fear but power and love and a sound mind. Is there anybody that would say yes to God and no to the devil? I know that fear tried to grip us and we were dealing with some serious stuff but it took 2020 for me to realize that it is a privilege to come into this ecclesia and to begin in the body of Christ and to serve in the kingdom of God. I'm not a couch potato. I am alive and well in Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. And if you are a Christian who names the name of Jesus, then you are a force to be reckoned with. (laughs) Turn to your neighbor and say, watch out. We had the favor of God in 2020. We had the favor of God in 2021. We still have the favor of God on our life. We still have his favor. Going into 2022, Brother Rick, I still got the favor of God on my life. Favor, I come to tell somebody, favor has not left your family. Favor has not left you. Favor has not left you despondent. No matter what we have gone through as a nation, as a community, as a church, your family, hold on because favor is still among us. Favor is is still up on us and you are highly favored of God you need to rise up in the morning with the determination like eating raw meat and gunpowder for breakfast and saying devil you should have killed me when I had you had the chance I have the favor of God I have the grace of God on my life greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world if God be for me who can be against me I can run through a troop and leave hold over a wall. I want you to testify to somebody. Favor is still on me. Tell somebody I got favor. We go back to our text in Luke. The Bible said that Jesus had been brought up in Nazareth. It's where he grew up. Look at verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up for to read. So I have a question for you. And that question is this. Do you think that familiarity can become the enemy of favor? Can familiarity become your en- the enemy of favor? And I believe that sometimes it is. I think we choose what is familiar, even at the expense of God's favor sometimes. Because it's easier to lean back on your people. It's easier to go back to the hood. (laughs) 
it's easier to reopen that black book you should have got rid of that had all the names of folk who could do things illegal and stuff. <laughs> it's easier to go back to selling weed than working a job. <laughs> Preach, Poinsettia. Preach. Why is it that most in the place where Jesus should have been able to do the most, he is only able to do the least? Could it be that because of the familiarity kept back the favor that could have been released upon the people? That should have been the greatest place that the favor of God would be released in his hometown. <laughs> in his hometown. Amongst his home people. His home slices. His home skillets. Come on, somebody. His homies. I've been learning a lot of language in the last four months. <laughs> that, that should have been the greatest, the greatest place that he should have seen favor exercised. But sometimes, friends, some of the places where God should be working the most in your life, you're letting him do the least. And the reason is you're choosing what is familiar rather then what is God's favor? If you choose what's familiar, you will exclude God's favor. And God has so much better for us. He has a higher way of doing things. Just because God hasn't answered your prayer in the way you think he should, it doesn't mean that he won't. He is an on-time God. And he's not limited to time. In fact, he lives outside of time. He steps into time just to tell you that he loves you. Just to encourage the folk. Just to tap you on the shoulder and say, ain't no need to worry. It's going to be all right. We're going to make it through. I want you to know, just because God hasn't answered the prayer in the way that you want him to, doesn't mean that he won't answer the prayer in the by and by or in the process of time. You and I are not God. We don't have all the answers. He has all the answers. In fact, go to verse 20 and look what the Bible says. The Bible said, and he closed the book and he gave it to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. This is what led me to, to, to make that statement. Just because he closed the book doesn't mean he's finished with everything in your life. It's only finished when he says it is finished. Why? Because he is yet the author and the finisher of your faith. He is the only one that can pronounce a benediction, a finality, or put a dot at the end of the sentence of your life. They may have told you it's over, but they're not God. It's not over until God says it's over. You might be laying in a hospital room with a diagnosis that says you will not survive I say to you, whose report will you believe? It is not over until God says it's over. When they told me I had cancer and they went in for surgery and removed it, they told me the worst things were going to happen. My life would be altered forever. And I've come to tell you that God is a healer 
and God is a keeper. That was four years ago, going on five years. God has been good. I'm telling you, it's not over until God says it's over. Somebody ought to praise him. Just because he closed the book doesn't mean it's over. He is who he says he is, not who you think he is. You are who he says you are, not who you, they say you are. Whether they is your thoughts or they is your addictions or they is your insecurities or they is your hidden stuff, you are not what they say over your life. God pronounces over you what he called you to be. Just like when he said, let there be light, light came. He calls you what he makes you. If he calls you healed, you may have to limp to the altar, but you're coming out healed. If he calls you blessed, you may not have two nickels in your pocket, but if he's called you blessed, you're about to be blessed because he calls you. He calls you what he makes you. Look at this verse in verse 21. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now notice, they're watching closely. <laughs> they're looking very close. As intent as some of you are looking at me. Can you imagine what it was in that room? They're watching him closely. All eyes are focused on him. Did he say focus? And after he says that, he said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And I want to ask you, where is it fulfilled? Brother Ivan, where is it fulfilled? In your ears. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord, the word of God. And this morning, it's not your physical ears. It's your spiritual ears. He is saying, it is fulfilled. Say that word, fulfilled. Say it louder. Everything that has happened that has brought you to this point, Jesus said, it is fulfilled. It is done. It is over. <laughs> Today, it is fulfilled. Where is it fulfilled? When is it fulfilled? Today, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. You are hearing it as a conclusion. Today, you're hearing it. Today, and I need Bethel to hear this, favor was sitting right in front of them and speaking because he is favor. He has just come out of a 40-day wilderness experience after he releases a scripture to them. The Bible says they sought to take him, if you read all of this passage, they sought to take him and throw him headfirst over a cliff because after they heard him preach or speak 
or rehearse the words of Isaiah about his own self. They were so angry. Do you know people can hear the word of God and get upset? People can get, hear the word of God and get mad at the preacher. People can hear the word of God and get mad at the deacons. People can hear the word of God and be full of rage and say, I have been following me. Somebody must have told him about my business. No, when the word of God is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword it cuts, it comes right into the morrow of your life and the spirit of God begins to do a work that only he can do. Only he can do it. And so the word of God made them so angry that they wanted to throw Jesus, Pastor Jesus, over the cliff and get rid of him just before Christmas. Come on, somebody. Oh, let me just preach in here. He, and the Bible said that he passed through their midst supernaturally. They could not even see him. I don't know how he did it. I don't know if he went... I don't know if he become a genie. I don't know if he tweaked his nose. I don't know if he went into stealth mode. I don't know how Jesus did it. But the Bible said that they drove him to the cliff. But he passed through their midst undetected. You can't kill the word of God. You can't kill the power of God. You may have friends and loved ones and co-workers who make fun of you because of your standard and the word of God that you hold to. And I say to you, Heaven and earth will pass away, but this word will never pass away. It will outlive Washington, D.C. It'll outlive Hollywood. It'll outlive the politics of the Republicans and the Democrats. This word will never pass away. I need somebody to praise God and shame the devil at the same time. I live by this word, and they tried to kill him because of his word. But I want you to understand, through it all, the favored one went ahead of them. And his favor is upon you today. While even you are sitting under the sound of my voice in your living room or on this campus, you are hearing the favor of God because the favor of God is not all in your ear, but the favor of God is in front of you. You bumped into it on your way out of the house this morning when you were arguing with your spouse. You drove past it on your way here this morning when you were breaking speed limits and angry because Starbucks wasn't open. In fact, some of you will have to push the favor of God out of the way just to keep your bad attitude this morning because the grace of God has been so good to you and you'll have to shove him out of the way to hold on to your vice and hold on to your anger and hold on to your bitterness. Oh, I'm preaching. God keeps putting favor in your path and you're either going to trip on it or you're going to embrace it as it is. He said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, in your ears. And then he sat down and they all began to talk about him and they were so familiar with him. 
that they said, oh, this is just the son of the carpenter. This is just Joseph's son. He talks good, but you know we know him. Uh, we saw him raised up. We, we saw him when he was a tiny tot running around here. We know Joseph's son. And the Bible says in verse 22, and all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? This is why I tell you that familiarity can keep the favor of God off of your life. There may be somebody in your family who has the anointing of God, calling of God upon their life. And if you're not careful, you will look at them and say, oh, that's just my family. That's just my son. That's just my daughter. But if God has called them and the anointing of God is upon them, give honor to where it is because the favor of God that is upon them will ooze and get upon you. But if you only carry the spirit of familiarity, you will miss the favor of God. I'm preaching to somebody who has struggled within your own flesh. Familiarity can keep you from the favor of God. When God's trying to use your pastor or use your teacher or use your coach or your mentor or your spiritual parents to bring you to another level, if you are too familiar with them, you will miss the favor of God that is upon them and you will end up in a place where you will say, God, why can't I see things happening for me? Is familiarity keeping you from God's favor? Are you addicted to feeling miserable? It feels familiar to talk about my joints and my fallen arches and my bunions and my cholesterol level and my type 2. It's just familiar for me to go around introducing all my ailments my this and my that. Quit claiming. Quit claiming it. Quit acting like it's God's gift to you. God didn't give you a disease. He is not the author of confusion. He said, I am the God who healeth thee. He is not in the business of of striking you down with cancer or striking you down with this, that, and the other. But sometimes we don't know how to break our speech because all we have talked about is how we got hurt in the church and how we got hurt by this family member and how this person did us wrong all the time because it's easier to talk about what's familiar than to embrace the favor of God. It's easier to just be all the time upset, rug burn on our chin, bumping our gums. It's easy to feel miserable. Don't point at anybody. But we all know somebody who is hard to live with. Is familiarity keeping you from God's favor? If fear is your natural habitat, long enough, then you'll even seek out fear over favor. You'll find something to be afraid about. You'll get Sister Google to find you a symptom. Oh, I just had a pain. Somebody search it out right now. Woo, child, they're going to have me in surgery. Is familiarity keeping you from God's favor. Right? Verse 19 says, He said to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. In other words, to receive and accept God's favor 
we have to understand what God is saying when he says things like the year of the Lord's favor or the acceptable year of the Lord. And that's what he said in verse 19. You have to be able to understand what he's saying there. And I give you some history here because the Jewish people knew the concept called Jubilee. And after Jubilee, and I want you to write that word down in your notes because Jubilee took place after seven cycles of seven years. In other words, after 49 years have come to pass, going in to their 50th year, it would be pronounced that this is the year of Jubilee. After seven cycles, hear me, of seven years, 49, that the 50th year would become a time of rejoicing for the Israelites. They would blow the ram's horn on the 10th day of the seventh month as they entered into the 50th year, which would become redemption. The debts of everybody would be forgiven. <laughs> In the year of Jubilee, your debts were forgiven. In the year of Jubilee, prisoners were released from their stocks and bonds and their jail cells. Every, the 50th year, they would enter into the acceptable year of the Lord. You've got to stay with me here as we bounce in and out. Verse 19 says, this day I have preached to you the acceptable year of the Lord. And this is where you have to word search and study to understand what was Jesus referring to. He was referring to things that they could in terms understand as Jewish people in a Jewish culture that this is what he meant by your jubilee. And in our text in verse in chapter 4, Jesus was saying this this scripture is fulfilled in your ear and this is what God, he said this is what I'm preaching, I'm preaching to you the acceptable year of the Lord. He was saying to them, I am your jubilee. You don't have to wait until you get to the 50th year. Today is this scripture. For, oh my God, you don't have to wait until a certain date. I am your jubilee. I come to tell you, you don't have to wait to 2022. You don't have to wait till you get married. You don't have to wait for you to graduate from school. Everybody's trying to go somewhere else. But he said, today, today, this is the year. This is the moment. I'm your jubilee. Listen to this with spiritual ears. Stop frustrating the grace of God in your life. Some of the frustration you just have to get through because we know it's, some of it's not even your fault, the frustration you're dealing with. And some of it you are creating. You're creating it when you compare yourself to other people. You're creating it when you overload yourself with all this stuff that you're looking at, you're making yourself frustrated. And I'm going to tell you what you're doing. 
because it feels familiar to carry the baggage. My God. It feels familiar to carry the disorder. It feels familiar to accept your family's junk and say, well, if that's all, you know us. Our people always been like that. No. Lord, no. Somebody's got to break the cycle. Somebody got to save us for me and my house. Somebody got to come out with their hands up and say, I'm not going back to familiar. I'm not going back to bad attitude. I'm not going back to depression. I'm not going back to anxiety. I'm not going back to drinking. I'm not going back to smoking. Who am I preaching to today? I'm not going back to what was. That was familiar. That was what I had. But where I'm headed is the year of Jubilee because today is this scripture fulfilled in my ears. I want you to know, stop going back to the familiar. You want the familiar because it feels like Nazareth. So when God tries to increase favor in you, you push it away. That's not familiar. I can't just trust that my sins are forgiven. I can't just pray to God in any situation. I just can't give God this burden. I just can't roll it on him and trust that he cares for me. I just can't smile when I'm going through this. I can't trust wholeheartedly. I can't take the next step unless I'm filled in on all the details because that's not familiar to me. And we go back to what is familiar and we miss the favor of God. So I will just create frustration through a spirit of manipulation just to feel what feels like home to me. I will cause people to get upset with me because I love to argue. I will cause people, oh, Lord, it's quiet in here. I'm going to create frustration and use manipulation to remain in a state of fearfulness and a state of familiarity. And the Bible says, I got to hurry, and the Bible says in verse 20 that all eyes were fastened on him. All the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him after he said all these things. And so the word there for fastened is the word atenizo. Atenizo is to describe an emotional attention. In other words, when they fastened their eyes on him after he had just said all of this, that they had an emotional attention on him. And it's important for us to see because this is why we have trouble seeing favor when unfavorable things are happening to us in our life. This is why we allow ourselves to become nervous and full of fear because when the favored one is still with us, we're still trying to lean on fear. A pandemic came through America and the world and fear tried to vex us and fear tried to take us out and fear, listen, I'm telling you, Beverly and I had to pray it off of us. We had to pray it out of our house. We had to plead Psalm 90 
91. We put a little ribbon on our front door and the scripture of Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my strength, my help. Woo, I feel like preaching this morning. We have to declare fear. You kept to go. I opened the door and told fear to leave. We opened the windows and told fear to leave. We were still aware of what was happening in the world. But just because it's happening in the world doesn't mean my spirit has to agree and receive it. I say in the name of Jesus, every stronghold must come down. We are so emotional. We're emotional people. <laughs> we are an emotional people. Verse 20 said, The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were a tenzo on him. It was an emotional focus. It's the same word. When I looked over in Acts chapter 1, verse 10, they attenzoed him. They watched as he was taken up and wondered, will he come back? An emotional focus. And that's how people have felt all year. I'm preaching now. I studied this one till it hurt. That's how people have been living all year all of us Christians oh, let me preach to the church we've been living all year had this emotional feeling do I feel like going do I feel it well if I'm losing this it's not like this anymore if I lose this then what am I going to replace it with it don't feel the same the ushers are making me sit places It don't feel the same. I don't like it. Fear. Feelings. If I lose this, what's going to replace this? Better be something I can re feel comfortable with. And that's what the word was. It was the same word when Peter was cussing. I'll take all the help I can get up here. <laughs> when, when Jesus was being taken away to be crucified, the Bible said that that servant girl attenzioed him. She fastened her eyes on him. Said, He's one of them. It's just not like you look. It's like you become emotionally fixated on something. Oh, my. And here's the thing that I found out about God's favor, and I want you to write this down. Your emotional focus determines whether you go to frustration, whether you go to fear, whether you go to fighting, or whether you go to favor. And just maybe there is someone here today or someone that is watching that God is wanting to give you something extra special in the last month of 2021 
in the year of December, or the, this month of December, in the year of our Lord, that God wants to give somebody their emotional focus back before we jump into a brand new year. You're going to have to let go of certain attachments. You're going to have to let go of familiar things that are blocking the favor of God on your life. I don't mean that you got to leave the city. I don't mean that you got to flee the state. I don't mean that you got to be fixated on palm trees. I don't mean that you're going to move to Florida. I mean that right now in this moment you're going to have to decide what has been in your life all along that is bigger than what you're going through and living in right now. I came here to tell somebody that my focus is not on palm trees, not on Florida, not on Mexico. My focus is on the favor of Almighty God. Not your favor, but His favor. Not your favor, but my favor. Not your family, but my family. Not your gift, but my gift. Everybody who's watching this, who wants God to do something in their life, it's time for you to focus on the favor that God has given you in this season of your life. Today, you don't have to wait to Jubilee. Today, you can get your focus back. You can get it back today. I have a running joke. Well, it's not even a joke. We tease about about palm trees. Can't fix you. It's a book I'm writing. It's a revelation God gave me about Philippians 4. And 11, where you have to learn how to be content in whatever state you're in. Not physically, I mean like state. <laughs> but you have to be content. You should learn how to be content. So I'm content because I have favor. I'm in the favor of God. I'm content because I know I'm in his favor. So why would I not be content? I'm not pushed out of my favor. Because I don't live by feeling. I'll probably preach all my life trying to help people get this. Be content where you are because this is your now. And if you'll be content in your now, you'll walk right into your necks and not even know it. But you'll not do it with a mouthful of you got to speak life. I went to Arizona last month with Pastor Ethan we had to attend the funeral of one of our pastor friends. When we got off the plane, we got off, come out outside. I looked up and there was a palm tree. I took a picture of it. They're beautiful. Pretty. Went over to visit his family. And his relative was complaining about the palm tree in their yard. She's complaining about What some people think is the epitome of their life. <laughs> and she said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't plant another palm tree. And I'm like, what? They're beautiful. She said, they get diseased. They're hard to treat. They overtake everything. And they get too tall, you have to hire people to come and clean it. And it just becomes a, an awful mess to deal with. And I was sitting there in the couch listening to her getting sermons. 
And I was like, what? She wouldn't pay to have a palm tree. And, and guess what I'm trying to get you to understand is that the palm tree can't fix you. Now, they're great to go look at. Somebody said, well, it can help you. Well, it depends if you need a tree to help you have help. I have Jesus. He's my help. I promise you this is what he was saying, Atenzio. You will find what you're looking for. If you look for goodness, you'll find it. If you'll fasten your eyes on it, you'll find it. Look at verse 20. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were what? Fastened. They were attenzioed on him. He closed the book and he sat down. Favor closed the book. Favor sat down. Favor was right in front of them. They couldn't see it because he was familiar to them. He was Joseph's son. Favor isn't found in familiar. It is found, it is not found in even earthly promotion. Favor isn't found in earthly acclaim. It is found in the wilderness. It is found in the church, the synagogue. It is found in Nazareth. Indianapolis, right where you already are. That's where your favor is. But they couldn't see it because their focus was on the familiar and not the favor. You can miss it all because you're too busy dreaming about living somewhere else, going somewhere else, marrying someone else, driving something else, retiring somewhere else. What happened to your dream? What happened to the dream of launching that business? What happened to the dream of birthing the ministry for men who needed help and women who needed help? What happened to your dream of helping the unfortunate or earning that degree? or what happened to your dream of learning to play an instrument or paying off all your debt? What happened to the dream? Do you know that God wants to give you favor right where you are? He wants to give it now. Today is this scripture fulfilled in your ears, but you see it too much as familiar to see that there's favor on you right where you are. I'm preaching good and I know it. I'm preaching preaching the truth. I'm helping somebody and making somebody else mad. But the Bible said he rolled up the scroll. He closed the book and he sat down. Look at somebody and say he sat down. He sat down. This morning I come to encourage you hold on to the favor of God. He didn't have to spell everything out for them. You're too busy looking over here. He said, I'm right in front of you. Every winter. I want you to stand to your feet. And there's three things. Don't put your Bible or journal away. Just stand to your feet. <laughs> there's three things. Several things there that I'm asking for Bethel to do. Boy, I had to birth this, I had to flesh this message out. Pastoring, you preach what God tells you. And you make no excuses for it. And I would much 
rather go to a church that preaches the word of truth without fear and trembling than go to a church where they preach news reports, political happenings, Reader's Digest. (laughs) Hit me where I live. Three things I wanted to ask you to commit to as a church. Number one, that we would make, ask God to make us cognizant of his favor. Make me aware of your favor, God. Make me aware of it. It's right here in front of me right now. Favor is all over me. You don't have to kick the door down. You just be you. Favor will go before you. Make me aware of that. Secondly, help us collaborate with his favor. That I stop fighting and frustrating the, the grace of God. Trying to, God tells me to do something and I'm over here arguing with God. Won't line up. Won't, won't get it right. Refuse. Lord, help us to collaborate with your favor. And number three, make me a channel of your favor so that I can release favor to other people. It's not enough for me and you to come to church and sit here in our 23-inch pew seat and be satisfied, and then we all go to Ponderosa after this. It must be that I am on mission for God. Make me a channel of your favor. Are you willing to ask God those three things? Today, this favor is available to all of us in so many ways. Jesus is not stressed out about 2021 or 2022. He's not stressed out by pandemics. He's not stressed out by economics. He's not stressed out and neither should you be. He's seated on the throne. He's seated on the throne. Today, he's fulfilled. Today, it is finished. Atenzio. They attenzioed him. They expected one thing. They fastened their eyes on him, but he was really talking about something else because he was right in their midst. And I would ask you for just a moment to close your eyes. I would ask you this question. And I need you to really be honest with God. Everyone, please listen to this. Do you accept God, what God is doing in this season of your life? Will you accept what God is doing in this season of your life? And I know I can hear the response from some of you. I know what you expected him to do. But will you, do, will you accept what he's doing now? Maybe God is saying to you that you are too familiar to receive the favor that's sitting right in front of you. Or maybe you're so used to rejection, you find it easy to reject favor itself. Whoever you are, and whatever this year has been for you, the Lord sent me here this morning with a message to tell you that today is the day of the Lord's favor. That it is right in front of you. I don't care how your year started or what it even looks like right now. It doesn't even matter what happened till now. God told me to tell somebody you are going to finish with favor. Hallelujah. 
You are going to finish with favor. And I want you to make that confession out of your own mouth. Say it out loud. Say, I will finish with favor. I will finish with favor. I will finish with favor. And then I want you to say this. I will not allow familiarity to kill my favor. And I know I'm speaking to people today who are struggling in their mind because you expected things to be different than where they are right now in this stage of your life. Just for a moment, close those eyes again. You never planned on the death of your loved one. You thought you'd be married with kids by now. You thought your business would take off by now. You thought you'd be out of debt by now. You never thought you'd have to face the disease that is in front of you. And the Lord told me to remind you that if you remain with an emotional focus and attenzio on that thing, you will dismiss and destroy the favor that he has for your life. God said, focus on the things God has already done for you. Hallelujah. He told Focus on the people he has surrounded you with right now. The people who love you right now. Focus on how he delivered you from the ugly. Focus on how he's working things out for your good. That his favor is available to you in every way. And while we're here and we're praying and we're asking God to remove things and to open our eyes and help us, Lord, not to lean on familiar, but to hold to favor. Help me to get my mouth saved. Help me to get my mind saved. Help me to get my thoughts in alignment with you. I'm here to say to whoever's listening that salvation is available to you right now. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 